From Revelation 19, we read, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Alleluia! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The praise, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, you, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. The Hallelujah Chorus in Handel's Messiah is the concluding rejoicing for that entire piece of work that is some hours to, to uh, celebrate from the uh, Christmas events all the way through the life of Jesus, even to the, the death and resurrection of our Lord, culminating in this hallelujah chorus. I'm not going to try to copy the soprano line that is so familiar, because that would be terribly embarrassing for me and hard to endure for you. <laughs> But you know it. Hallelujah. Over and over and over and over again. With the bases coming in, Lord God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That part I can do, but without the hallelujah part, it doesn't quite make sense. This is the final praise in the, uh, the Revelation, which is the, the church's faithful response to all the things that have gone on before. All of the ways that the world has shot itself in its foot over and over and over again with respect to the things about God, the things that are calling us to make all kinds of images to worship, to build various kinds of towers of battle in order to drown out the testimony of Jesus Christ, both for ourselves and for our neighbor. But the Hallelujah Chorus cuts through all of that and asks the people of God to join in with the rest of creation on the very verge of new creation as it welcomes Jesus in its midst. What should a bride do when she first sees her bridegroom? Well, apparently, 
she should sing the Hallelujah Chorus. <laughs> now, I'm not suggesting that every bride needs to do that, or that every bride needs to do that on a morning-by-morning -morning basis in celebration of her beloved. When, when my wife was, we were newly married and it was her birthday, she didn't chime out with the Hallelujah Chorus, she just shouted out her new age. <laughs> I'm 24. Uh, so, and, you know, it, it was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise it was a birthday, it was just a surprise. I didn't know that was going to happen. The Hallelujah Chorus is the church's reaction to God's salvation because he has now come. So, if you think about its placement in the divine service, not necessarily Handel's version of the Hallelujah Chorus, but the Alleluia verse as it comes to us, this triple Alleluia that we, we sing right before the Gospel lesson. We've had the Old Testament lesson, and we've had the psalm response to that Old Testament lesson. We've heard about the, the effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the life of the church in the epistle lesson. And now, now to set up the words of Jesus, Jesus himself is now going to speak. The bridegroom, all of us here together as church, in anticipation that the, that the groom is here and arriving and is about to address us with the, with the most holy word from his own mouth, sings, Hallelujah! Because in the gospel lesson, your God comes to you to bring you the salvation that you long for. Now granted, in Revelation 19... At the culmination of all things, and after enduring the, the entire effects of all of the evil that the hosts of darkness can throw at us, the church, in anticipation, just seeing the, the glimmers of the arrival of the, the bridegroom to come for the wedding feast, sings hallelujah. So also we, having endured another week in the world, having endured another round of noise about what is true and lovely and beautiful, having had our faith attacked by various means and in various ways, and also just our own blogs, our own apathy about what it is Jesus is on about day after day after day calls us to lift up our head and perk up our ears and imagine that there is now something very significant about to happen. Because for this next moment, it's not going to be Isaiah. It's not going to be Abraham. It's not going to be Jeremiah or Amos. It's not going to be Paul or Peter or John. As marvelous and as truly, absolutely inspired and word of God as all of those witnesses to the truth are, for this next moment, we are going to sit at the feet of Jesus. Imagine yourself as Jesus arriving to the home of Mary and Martha. 
And instead of getting out all the pots and pans and being too concerned about the hospitality that needs to be done for that day, just the very sight of him, just the very sight of him coming down the path towards your door, and you know, you know he's going to come to your house. You get yourself ready to meet your groom. The one who is there to bring you home to fellowship with the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your Redeemer, your Rescuer, your true Savior. And just a very glimpse of him is enough to make these hallelujahs spring forth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Revelation 19, the church has endured, and now the bridegroom is coming. And their response is, thank God. Thank God it's finally coming to an end. It's finally coming to its close, its climax. Now, every week we have this respite along the way of, of this hour in which we can hear Jesus speak. And we've been kind of working up to that in the processions in and in the songs we've sung and in the readings that are prepared for this moment. We've been, we've been working up to that. We've been readying the soil that is heart and mind here to have our ears open and to have our minds and hearts ready to hear from Jesus. So that when he says what he has come to say, we don't respond like Peter. What? We don't respond like Peter? Not in this case. Did you read the gospel lesson along with us this morning? Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem. There, I'm going to be killed. But I'll tell you what, that's the bad news. I've got some good news. On the third day, I will rise. See, Jesus is a bad news, good, good news kind of guy. The bad news is, the world is going to do me in. The, bad, the good news is, the Father is going to vindicate me, and I will rise on the third day, and you and I will continue to do this work together. Well, throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the disciples seem to only ever hear the first part of that announcement, that bad news part. Jesus, how dare you talk about dying? Nobody's going to kill you. We've seen what you can do. Nobody's going to kill you. You're too important. Nobody's going to kill you. You're the Messiah. Messiahs don't die. But they do if you're going to be an authentic Messiah who's actually going to deal with the real problem that we have. Our real problem is not a lacking social system or a greater safety net or a this or a that. It's, it's the death that is staring all of us in the face. That is the thing that Jesus has come to remedy, to break through, to in fact explode from the inside out. Well, in order to explode death from the inside out, you have to go there. You have to go into it and be the Lord of life in the midst of it 
so that it no longer has a hold on any of his people. So we don't want to respond as Peter did, with unbelief, with words of criticism, with words that say, that's not what I meant when I called you the Son of God, but to actually listen, to have ears open, to be readied and perked up in imagination, heart, and mind to take all the things that Jesus has to say and let them soak down deeply, plant new things in our own hearts and minds so that we hear him truly, so that there is no noise that ever cuts through the words of Jesus. The Alleluia verse lets all of us know that the time has come. Sometimes when you go to a movie nowadays, you have to sit through about 15 minutes worth of previews before you get to the actual movie. And it's always a little bit deflating when the lights go down and then, oh yeah, the previews. <laughs> Sometimes they even keep the lights now about halfway while the previews all go. It's like, well, I've still got enough time to get a couple more popcorns and probably another drink. And would you like something? And how about you in the back row? I'm heading out for this little bed. We're going to wait here for a while. All of this preparatory work doesn't help us get to the main game. <laughs> game. It's like, at the, it's like at the, on Super Bowl Sunday when you got five hours worth of pregame stuff before you get to the first kickoff. Our work is to make sure that when the time comes for our Lord to speak, we are not distracted by anything else that is coming along. This is what we've been waiting for all week long. This is the moment. And so we are gathered together to sing Alleluia in preparation for hearing and seeing our bridegroom so that he can address us with his words of faith and love. I'm very thankful for all of that preparation, particularly today, since my brain walking in the door was already on next week's sermon. It was the first hymn, with all of its alleluias, that knocked me right back into where I was supposed to be. Oh! This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it by saying Alleluia. That's your cue. Alleluia. Alleluia. Oh, you can do better than that. Think, it's, think of Easter, right? Alleluia. Alleluia. Well done. Well done. Now we're fit for angels. Because it's not just alone, is it? Again, as we take a look at Revelation 19, and in fact, all of Revelation, it is our voices joining in with all creation, those in the faith, certainly, who have gone before us and who will come after us. But everything above and below and flying and creeping, the entire world, all of its, all of its aspects, everything in creation from Genesis 1 knows who its Lord is. It's, it's we who are confused. We're the ones who want to make alternate universe gods. But here we are in this cosmos where he is king. 
And when he comes to gather his bride home, it is time to say, Alleluia. Peace be with you now and always, and the praise of Jesus ever be on your lips. Amen.